Hey, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. It will be on the screen, or if you have your device, you can look in your device. But we're uh, 1 John chapter 4, we're in verse 7 today. And uh, quick quick uh, uh, interaction with you, just a second, okay, um, as you're finding that. Somebody tell me one of the greatest love songs of all time. Just, just shoot, it, 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 there's not a correct or false answer here, just give me one. Amazing Grace, that is a love song, that's for sure. Doesn't have to be spiritual. All right, go ahead, just yell it out. I will always love you. Okay, little Whitney Houston. What is it? What? Yeah. What's that? I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. All right. Somebody give me another one. Oh, now we got. Now we're going. What did you say, Amy? Endless love. Okay. All right. What, Vivian? Love is a many splendor thing. Is that what you said? Okay. Janie, do you have one? That was the one you had? Love story. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm hearing the best I can. Uh, all right. Anybody else just want to throw one? Uh, current generation. Okay. What do you got, Jeff? Okay. Hey. Students, give me give me a good current love song. Give me a good current love song. What? They, they just now woke up. All right. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. Love songs. Um, Percentage-wise, love songs are probably. 90% of the songs on radio. Now, I know that sounds like a, a large, a large thing, but we love to sing about love, either about the love about to happen, the love we have, or the love of breaking up. Whatever your uh, country song may be of the week, it's probably got all of those in there with a truck and a dog. But we, we have love songs. In 1984, there was a song uh, that was written that came out. Tina Turner sang it. And, and this is what it was called. What's love got to do with it? And uh, got to do with it, got to do with it. Um, some of you remember the, the chorus. Who's going to sing it out? What, what's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Uh, it, it really took love to a much lesser area when Tina Turner came up. And, it's, and, it's, and it stood the test of time, actually, that, that it still gets out there. But, but the, it's all built around the shallowness of love. In other words, if a rela- we have a relationship, why throw love into the mix? Somebody's heart's just going to get broken. Somebody's just going to get hurt. In the middle of it. Why even deal with this love part of it at all? But I want you to know today, when it comes to our relationship with God, love has everything to do with it. The problem is, is that how we define love and how we walk that love out. I mean, everybody wants to be in love. Everybody wants to eventually find that person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with in a love relationship. 
But yet yeah, we, we need to see what does this look like? What, do, what did God really intend for this love to look like? So beginning with, uh, with verse 7 in chapter 4, let me read it all and then we'll unpack it. So follow along with me and I'm going to go to verse 21 and then we're going to come and we're going to unpack this just a little bit. It says this, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is, there it is, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, you cannot love God whom you have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. The problem is defining love. Here's the definition of earthly love, just my thoughts. You don't, you don't have to write these down, but it will give you a picture of earthly love. When most men and women say, we love each other, uh, or I love a particular uh, something, it, it kind of is like this. It's built on a condition. I love you because you're a particular way. I love you because I am gratified with what I see or what I know about you. Or it's feelings-based. You know, I've got this churning in my spirit you know many songs talk about these feelings you have that are that it's feelings based it's also fleeting or temporary it's there for a season and it may be gone for a season and because of that i must be able to fall out of love right and that's what earthly love looks like it's also earned you have earned my love and i love you because of that it comes with expectations in return if i'm going to put my heart out there to love you I have expectations in return of what you're going to do back for me. Also, one other thought on this earthly temporal love is that it's actually me-centered. Some of you have seen the little video on, on uh, Facebook or on YouTube about what's called fish love. The rabbi is talking about fish love, and he's talking to a man, and he says, he, he says I love fish. And the rabbi says, do you really love fish? You mean you took him forcibly out of the water and you cooked him and you gutted him and you're eating him? Do you really love fish? He said, you really don't love fish. You love yourself. 
and you gratify yourself through fish. And he said that's how most earthly love is. We say we love other people, but we really don't love other people. I love myself, and because of what you mean to me now and what you do for me, now I love you back because of that. It's really a selfish love. God came along and he gave a different kind of love completely. In fact, it was so different, they had to come up with a new word for it. And the Greek word they came up with was was a word called agape. And agape love is a love that is unconditional. See, this is what blows my mind. You can't even understand this. I love you regardless. I love you with no benefits at all. I just care for you. I love you. It is sacrificial. It's undeserved. I have no expectations in return. It's unending and it's other-centered. You see how much that blows my mind? I'm thinking, man, do I actually love anybody? But that's what it says, the kind of love that God has for his creation. I know many of you are like me at times. You're still trying to earn God's love, right? Because you had a dad who you could never please, and because you could never please your earthly dad, you think I can never please my heavenly father, and so you're doing everything you can to earn his love, and it's not built on that. Or you've screwed up, and you say, there's no way God can love me anymore because I've screwed up. Only to see that the kind of love that God has for you is a love that's built on the fact that I love you unconditionally. I love you on your best day. I love you on your worst day. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. I love you. And that's God's love. And so I, when I was in college, I took a logic class. I think I, I think I just wanted to. I don't know why. I'm sure it got me out of something else. So I thought I could probably handle this. And what logic class taught me is, is there's certain formulas that if A plus B equals C, then you can figure out the rest of the formula. So I, I figured this is, this is easy enough for me. So I look at what the scriptures just tell me, and this is the, this is what logic tells me, okay? The love, the, the origin of love is God. It comes from Him. He ultimately displayed that love for mankind through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that was ultimately displayed on a cross when he took all of the sins of mankind on that cross. So the next part of the formula is this. Every man must determine what you're going to do with the sacrifice that Jesus made. You've got to make that determination. And when you place your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you, the scripture says that his spirit now, he actually comes and indwells in us. So if he comes in and dwells in us, then it ought to be automatic for his followers to display that kind of love to our world. I mean, that, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That, that is it. God is love. He is the origin of love. He displayed that through Jesus, ultimately, in that sacrifice on the cross. And so it's not a matter of just saying, oh, I believe with my head. No, there's a faith step. When that faith step happens, God indwells you in such a way that he wants that love to display to others. So see, it's not some shallow, I love you because, or I love you because you're pretty, or I love you because you have a good personality, or I love you because you're wealthy, or I love you because... No, He just loves you. Warts and all. Your thought life. Your motives. So I looked at this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to do this quickly, but John lays out six things that are evident if this love is displayed out of your life. Okay? Here they are. Number one is this. If this love is displayed, demonstrated out of your your life, then number one, it shows that you actually know God. 
He said that in verse 7 and 8 there. He says, the one who loves knows God. In other words, you cannot love if you have not had this experience with God. There's no way this kind of love is going to come out of you. And when a person loves, uh, knows God, the love of God is automatic out of him. Because what happened is, is God sent Jesus. And Jesus, get this, Jesus' death was not an accident. It was an appointment. Many people think, oh, Jesus, man, it was an accident. No, he was appointed to die. And in that death, you and I have forgiveness. And so what happens is, is when this love, we start seeing this love coming out of us, it means, you know, I really do know God. It's because of the love of Christ. I I can even love other people. Hudson Taylor, who was who founded what was called the China Inland Mission, he used to meet with with prospective missionaries and he would ask them, why do you want to go on the foreign mission field? And he would get good answers back like, well, God gave us the Great Commission. We're going to all the world and make disciples and this kind of thing. He says, or somebody would say there's millions of people perishing without Christ and, and we need to go. And Hudson Taylor would always tell them, he said, those are good, but those will not sustain you. You will get out there on the mission field and you will not be able to use those kind of things to sustain you. The only thing that will sustain you is that you know God and you have the love of Christ to give to others. Because he had proven that out in his life. When your motive is anything other than just the love of Christ compels me, you're not going to make it. So number one is it shows that you know God. Here, here's the second one, though, that the demonstration of, of, of God, it means that we have God's spirit. Notice what he said there in verse 13. He says, this is how we know that we live in him and he is us. He has given us of his spirit and his spirit inhabits us. And only Christ's spirit can transform us. You know why I like this? Because when I look at those two definitions I gave of earthly love versus this agape godly love, and I look at those two extremes, within myself, I think there is no way that I demonstrate the love of God on my own. It's only by God's Spirit inhabiting me that I can even begin to do that. And so we try to, this is what we try to do in America, especially especially in the American church, is that, okay, we are supposed to have this kind of unconditional type of love. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write up a study on how to have that kind of love. So we're going to try to get a formula, and we're going to put it on there. Listen, you cannot have the love of God coming out of you if His Spirit is not doing it, producing it. It's the only way it can happen. Mother Teresa, who... So many things have been written about, and we know about her sisters of charity work in India and these, these kind of things. She was, she was in an interview, and this man quoted something that, that uh, Mother Teresa said, and she said this, I am interested in persons, not programs. Programs are for a purpose, but Christian love is for a person, and I am committing to helping persons. I thought, that's good. Because so often we think what we do as a church and what God wants to do as a church, yes, there's business elements of it, and yes, there's programmatic areas of it, but it boils down to do we love people? And do they know it? Here's the third one. The third one is is that if God's love is demonstrated out of us, it means that we have a credible witness or we have a reliable witness. And you know what I mean by this. Our message is very important. 
People need to know the gospel. They need to know that we are all broken by sin and we needed a Savior and that's why Jesus came. The problem happens with so many people is is that our, our actions do not go along with our message and so they, they don't even want to hear it. We have a reliable, we have a reliable, I'm sorry this is bugging me. We have a reliable message when we're living it out and demonstrating it. People want to hear. They want to know what is different. What is different? Why do you have this incredible uh, witness? You've heard this statement before. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's part of it. There is a time to speak that is the correct time, but every time is a time to love. Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount said that what? We are to be salt and light. And we, we are to display him to a world that desperately needs him. When we, this love is coming out of us, now we have a credible witness to be able to share. Don't tell me how much you love me if it's not part of your life. I, I took a, a personal evangelism class in seminary, and, and uh, it was okay. But, but uh, it, it, I, had to, I had to write up 30 evangelistic encounters that I was going to have in that semester. Now, part of me is kind of introverted, and I can recluse, but I like to talk. I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag with me. But to think about 30 encounters, i got to write up. I just said hi to somebody, and I wrote it up. I mean, I was just trying to... But here's the point that really hit me in the midst of that. Sometimes we're so busy trying to do what we think God wants us to do, that we're not truly loving people enough to get to know their name. we got to get to know people and to love them. So we have a credible witness. Next is this. If you're hanging on with me, you're seeing that we, we know God, we have His Spirit, we have a credible witness. Next is this. We have confidence in eternity. Notice what it says in verse 17. It says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. He says that there's going to be a day of judgment. Now, this this is something we don't want to talk about. We want to talk about the, the love. We want to talk about these kind of things. The scriptures are very clear on there's going to be a day of judgment that is going to come. And what we see is that when this love is being demonstrated out for me, it means that I actually do belong to God and I do not have to fear coming before him because I know him as child. There's, the judgment is all going to be on what Jesus did, not on me. I want to say a word about judgment right quick. Because sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to handle that. We don't want to think the fact that we're responsible for our life and somebody we're going to stand before a holy God. We don't like to do that. But let me tell you, you cannot read the scriptures and not see that it is not there. So we have a, I have a mandate that I better bring out some warning. But this is something I want you to understand. We noticed this week that when, uh, when Hurricane Harvey was going to be hitting, they, they came to, uh, Port Aransas, and they said, you've got to evacuate. You've got to get off the island because this is going to hit. Now, I guarantee you, there were some old timers on there and said, listen, I've lived here my whole life. I have never seen a hurricane. I don't think a hurricane's actually coming. I really don't believe what you're telling me. And I am just going to ride it out despite the fact that you have given me a warning and a mandate to get off this island. Now, certain people did that, and I've read story after story of people that said, 
I wish I had not done that. But here's the deal. You can say, I've never seen judgment. I've never seen that kind of thing. I I don't believe what you're telling me is true. I'm just giving you a warning from God's Word. I'm giving you a warning from God's Word. But we don't have to fear it if we are His child. Two more. We can have confidence for daily living. Confidence for daily living. Verse 18, he said, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The perfect love catches out fear. We don't have to worry about our daily living. That we, when, when we see God's love lived out through us, we can know that he is with us through our day-to-day living. There is something in your spirit that compels you to love other people, and thus we experience his presence, and we don't have to fear other people. You know, when, you, when you're loving somebody else, you don't have to fear I mean, you just, I'm just loving you because God's Spirit compels me to love you. I, I love you even in the midst of what you're doing that's wrong. I just love you. We don't have to have fear in the midst of that. We can live that out the way He has called us to live it out. Last thing. When, this, when God's love is demonstrative out of us, it shows that we love God and we actually, we love God as we love others. Let me try to explain what I mean by that because notice in verse 20, John says, whoever claims to have love yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And I know that's kind of a tongue twister, but he is saying this. Don't tell me you love me if you're not willing to love those that you can actually see and touch. Okay? So in other words, God is saying this. When you're truly loving others, you're loving me. You remember Matthew 25, he separates the sheep from the goat. It's a parable that Jesus says. He separates the sheep from the goat. And he, they're saying, he says, come into my kingdom. And said, so why do you come into my kingdom? Because I was naked and you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. You did all these things for me. And they said, when did we do that? And he said, when you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. And so what, what the scriptures are teaching us is, is that when we love others, we are actually loving God himself. I ask you, what's the sweetest worship encounter you've ever had? Maybe it was a it was a, a worship song you got lost in the rapture of, and you raised your hands and said, "God, I just love you." In the midst of that worship encounter, or maybe it was going up in the mountains and to see the beauty of the mountains, or going out to the ocean and seeing the beauty of the ocean, and you go out there and you say, "Man, look at the grandeur and how majestic this is! Man, this is incredible! God, I just love you." Worship experience, or maybe it was. A quiet time you had, and in the midst of that quiet time, it was like God was looking over your shoulder, almost breathing on your neck because He seemed so close, and you just said, God, I love you. I worship you. I want to tell you something. Those are great worship encounters, but nothing is more important in what we need to do in worshiping God than in loving other people. Because when we love other people, we are truly worshiping Him. We gotta be careful of thinking worship is just raising our hands to God and singing songs or singing prayers or whatever it may be. Listen, one of the best ways, and I believe according to scripture, the best way you can show your love of God is to love other people. I mean, I'm not talking about love and what they can do back for you. And I don't mean love that's conditional. I'm gonna love you because, I mean, it is I love you, and that's the love of Christ that needs to be demonstrated to our world. You know, 
Robert, it's good to see you over here. Robert Hall. Robert, just raise your hand. Okay. I love Robert. I love what Robert's doing. Um, Robert is... is uh, He's dealing with uh, uh, young men and women who are, a lot of them don't have fathers. A lot of them are, are just that situation. And Robert, I, I believe you would tend to say it's just the love of God that compels you to do that. So I like something you would draw up. And I, and I love those kind of stories. I look at the rest of you in this room and I see some of you that you're compelled by the love of God. It's just, you know, when you're loving other people that you are loving God in the midst of this. And I think that's the message that I just want to get across to you today. And you're saying, Mark, how can I do that? Because I know what you're going to do is you're going to put a scripture up on your, your mirror and you're going to try to memorize it thinking that's going to help me love God more. And I think it will help you to love God more. But I'm going to ask you to take the scales off your eyes and look at who's actually around you right now and see how you can tangibly love them. Desmond Doss was a young man who was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor in World War II. His, uh, what happened was is that he was a conscientious objector. He would not carry a gun. He would not shoot anybody. He, and he went through all kinds of torment from his fellow soldiers because of that. But he went in as a, as a corpsman, as a medic in the Army, and uh, he went with his troops. And the troops, this was back when World War II, the European part of it had been pretty much taken care of. So they was moved to the Japan part where the islands that were there, that uh, the Japan uh, had those islands. And we needed to take those islands so that we could get closer to Japan. And on one of those particular islands, there was an area called the Maida Escarpment. And some of you saw the movie. It was called Hacksaw Ridge. It was about 200 feet up, and they had to climb the netting to get to the top. And when they got to the top, they, they quickly made their movement towards what they thought would be mass Japanese troops, but they weren't sure of all the tunnel system that was there. And when they originally went, it seemed like success. And then all of a sudden, there was the retaliation of all of the Japanese coming out of the tunnels and were just overwhelming the Americans. And they, they tried to get back to get down the uh, escarpment back down to the to the bottom, and, and they were doing as well as they could, even though they suffered incredible damages. Well, Desmond Doss, on May 5th, 1945, stayed up on that escarpment, and all through the night he began to just get to as many wounded as he possibly could to get them back down. It's estimated that Desmond Doss, that particular night, saved 75 men's lives as he, under the threat of enemy fire and everything else, would go one by one and lower those men down to the bottom from that escarpment. There was one prayer that Desmond Dawson, it was really interesting to go on YouTube. I, I, you know, I'd heard about it in the movie, but, but in YouTube to hear Desmond Dawes in his testimony say, the one prayer that God kept giving me was this, is Lord, help me to get one more. Help me to get one more. And I thought about that prayer, and, and I thought about my life. And listen, I, I am so selfish. I wish I could say that most of my love was unconditional towards other people, but let's be honest, probably most of my love is, I love people. I mean, I'm good at loving people, but so often I love you because of the feeling you give me back, or I love you because of what you can do for me. And I say, God, I want to I be the man who loves after your heart. I want to be a man after your own heart. I want to be a man that loves other people 
because your spirit compels me to love other people. I don't pick and choose who I'm going to love. It's just whoever is there at the time. God, that is who I'm going to love. And then I'm going to pray this prayer. Lord, help me to get one more. Just one more. I want you to bow your heads with me just a moment. I want to, I want to ask you this. And this is going to seem like an awkward question. How's your love life? How's your love life today? And I'm not talking about your wife or your kids or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You got fish love, that love that is just, I love you because of how it gratifies me. Or can you say, God, your spirit is so moving in me that I am compelled to love others. How's your love life? Scriptures are very clear. Don't tell me you love God and you're not demonstrating it by loving other people. But, you know, there may be a person here today that says, you know, Mark, I'm not sure I know God. Everything I do seems to be self-centered. I seem to be hanging on to junk and I'm so fearful. I'm afraid when you were talking about judgment that, man, it's, it's hopeless for me. Let me tell you something. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Maybe today you need to hear that. And He's waiting for you to take that faith step and say, God, if you're real, if what Jesus did is real, please forgive me. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to represent you. I want to have a reliable, credible witness in this life. And I know, Lord, it can only happen by you filling me and using me.